0: Stay on target Maximum Stay on target Maximum Read Rothbard <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. And tonight we're doing a Memorial Day special. It's not just about saving money on electronics or home appliances. It's about valor and heroism and sacrifice and that's why we're talking about rambo first blood tonight my co-host is robert and this is episode 130 of the show show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 130 robert any comments for our actual anarchy audience before we get into last nighters
1: hey everybody glad to be back i'm over here in the eastern washington hopefully the quality is suitable daniel says my voice sounds fantastic and juicy i don't know how juicy it sounds but i'm glad to be here hope it works out
0: Yeah, it's doing a couple of blips and blops, but in general, it sounds pretty good. Let's hope that your content is up to that same level, Robert.
1: (laughs) With just bleeps and bloops and blops, just a couple of them? Okay, I can maybe do that. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we will see. All right. Well, let's get into the last night's portion of the show. Uh, The show notes and more at this uh, one is uh, actualanarchy.com slash 130. That's right. All right, here we go. everyone it's daniel elwood and robert johnson the last nighters and the last nighters are part of the launchpad media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction check it out at the launchpadmedia.com the the is very important for that url so put that in there it's www.thelaunchpadmedia.com check it out tonight we're going to be doing a memorial day special on rambo first blood this is going to be episode 73 of the show last slash 73 will be the show notes page for that and more we go to robert down at the sidelines uh tell us about that last play robert
1: Yeah, so Memorial Day is the day that we're supposed to remember the fallen veterans of wars. And so this movie is really kind of apropos, I think. Um, It features a a vet, and he is kind of the quintessential Vietnam vet experience, right? I mean, other than him being like the super green bray super soldier guy. But a lot of the things that happened to other vets, in the sense that they lost their friends to Agent Orange, you know, probably die, had a bunch of cancer issues, you know, they weren't allowed to win the war, you know, um, their, the reaction they got when they came back to the United States, because the Vietnam War was one of these wars that was actually shown on TV. They were actually showing body bags and caskets coming home, which they don't do anymore, because it got such a, created such the, this, um, you know, anti-war movement in the United States that just the average person you know, when they came, when these soldiers came home, would react very negatively to them. And, you know, I, I can't say it's not entirely undeserved. <laughs> Maybe more soldiers should be reacted to undeservedly or and reacted to negatively. I don't know. But we can get into that discussion uh, as the episode wears on.
0: All right. Well, that was a pretty good opening, Salvo. Hopefully we didn't uh, uh, get too many people to turn it off already.
1: <laughs> oh, this all is going to be a spicy one, Daniel. We're going to have all kinds of hot takes. At least I, I will.
0: It's going to be I'm totally not, spicy. It might be me.
1: divisive. You might totally hate us. Well, if you don't already, you just like, hate listen to this podcast. Maybe you'll this will be the one that finally makes you uh, throw your headset down. All Enough right, of yeah. these assholes.
0: Let's put it over the edge here. So let's start with that Google description. First Blood came out in 1982. It's a drama slash mystery, according to Google. One hour, 33 minutes. And we've already got some people triggered in the comments. Awesome. I know you're kidding. All right. Uh... <laughs> on the IMDb, 88% Rotten Tomatoes, and 61% Metacritic. However, 91% of the people like it. Google users like it. The description is Vietnam veteran and drifter John J. Rambo wanders into a small town in Washington in search of an old friend, but is met with intolerance and brutality by the local sheriff, Will Teasel. When Teasel and his deputies restrain and shave Rambo, he flashes back to his time as a prisoner of war and unleashes his fury on the officers. He narrowly escapes the manhunt, but it will take his former commander, played by Richard Crenna, to save the hunters from the hunted. So this is, of course, still Vester Stallone and the, uh, what do they call him, the um, Top Dick Cop or king, king Asshole Cop is played by Brian Dennehy. And uh, came out October 1st, 1982. So we're going way back on this one. It's uh, based on a story by David Morrell, and uh, he wrote the book. And at the end of the book, Rambo dies, but not so in the uh, film universe. Your commentary so far, Robert?
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what the mystery is other than how many cars are going to explode in this movie for no reason. (laughs) This is a time in movies.
0: They're all all Pintos with the gas tank like right in that perfect spot. It's just like,
1: yeah, and there's just like a spark and they all erupt and this is a time of movies and it was fun watching it again because they don't do this anymore and you notice that they don't do this anymore only when you go back and watch an old movie because the height of Movie making action, you know, movie making was the car chase and it was cars exploding and it was cars jumping. You don't really get, you can get to do some, like you watch like a mission impossible car chase these days and they're doing all kinds of crazy shit because they got up their game. But back in the day, all you had to do was like do a little jump and then have some cars explode. And, you know, that was perfectly good enough. So it was fun to, you know, it's fun to go back in time and watch this uh, old school style uh, car chasey type stuff.
0: Is that uh, Smokey and the Bandit or French Connection, like driven, um, haha, funny, Uh, like action, you know, getting the car chase sequences going?
1: Yeah. And that was the height of what they could do at the time, right? So when they, you know, barely touch a car and then it explodes for no reason, it's like.
0: Well, you got to have the explosions, you know, it's got to be exciting, got to be fun. It's It
1: doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. It just has to be something that's happening on screen, I guess. All right.
0: That's fine. It's I'm just,
1: I'm just glad to say that as we've moved on, you don't see cars just exploding for no reason. A lot of, well, a lot of just jumps.
0: Well, it's the regulations that have saved us all, Robert, from the exploding cars.
1: Listen, I know this. You know this, but not everybody who listens knows this.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's kick this thing off. In the um, you usually give a good little overview. So let's talk about how this thing starts. We got Rambo walking into a town, and yeah, what happens then.
1: Yeah. So he's an old Vietnam vet. And by old, you mean, he's a young man. But this is supposedly taking place in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, it's been a while since the Vietnam War was over, but not a whole lot of time, maybe a few years. And Rambo, he's suffering from, you know, PTSD and maybe some chemical damage. And, you know, he's out drifting around. He can't really hold a steady job. He's uh, basically walking around and he's trying to reconnect with his old army buddies because the life that he had in the military was, you know, he had a whole bunch of friends and everybody knew each other and they're all watching each other's back. But then he came back over to the States and he's all alone. So he's, you know, sad and he's looking to reconnect. So he's out looking for his friends and he finds that the last other guy, the last other person in his unit is dead because of agent orange. And I'm sure everybody knows, but for those who don't know, Agent Orange was a um, a defoliant, meaning you would spray it. And I think it was made by DuPont. I'm not 100% sure, but it was a defoliant that they would spray in the jungle to kill all the plants so that you could actually, you know, expose enemy positions and that sort of thing. And I don't know if they knew this at the time or if they gave a shit at the time, but it's also, you know, caused a lot of problems for human beings when they are exposed to it. I don't know exactly how toxic it is, you know, how cancer causing or whatever. I don't know if they've ever done like human clinical trials, but it's pretty clear that it's not good for you. And uh, a lot of veterans have suffered as a result of it. And so this movie, it's nice that it would kind of show, it's clearly written by a guy that is sympathetic to the US Vietnam War veterans plight. If not being one himself, I don't know if that's the case or not. But he's definitely, this is definitely written from the perspective of someone who, you know, thinks an an unjust thing happened. And then here's another, this entire movie is fairly, you know, it's kind of a power fantasy of this war vet who has a certain set of skills. And you fuck with him, and you're going to get fucked with. And he's going to go off on your candy asses, and you're going to wish you never started that shit. So it's a, it's a fun power fantasy film for uh, a Vietnam War veteran, I, I think, for the most part. But I still have my quibbles, and I think we'll get into it in terms of like NAP violations and if he's really justified in doing this or that and the other thing. But uh, for the most part, you know, the, uh, the cops, yeah, like Brian Dennehy, the big, the big dick cop guy, um, the guy that claims to own this town, basically, you know, this is my town and we don't take kindly to your type of people around here. He does a great job being the uh, king asshole, and he is the absolutely the villain of the movie.
0: Yeah, and we've been corrected by someone in the comments. Uh, Crowdfunding government tells us it's Top Dick Cop. Top so Dick that, Cop. That's right.
1: Better, better. I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and he does say, uh, yeah, that he is the law in that town. And yeah, he definitely, he has that power trip situation going on. You know, that um, kind of the jock dude, kind of dumb dude in high school who ends up, Uh, not being able to do anything like in in the real world. So he becomes a a local cop. That's, that's kind of what I, I,
1: yeah. Yeah. He's either the guy that couldn't get the girl or whatever. He had a lot of teenage angst and wanted to take out his fat aggression on, you know, everybody else, or he was the, the, uh, the jock guy that just wants to continue with those great high school vibes. Either way, either way, he's a complete asshole who thinks he, he's responsible for this town. And he has to own it, essentially claims like it's his property almost, and he's almost justified in representing the will of all the individual, you know, residents of this town. This is the kind of power trip that you get when you are like elected to a position, right? I mean, was he a sheriff and this is an elected position? Is that right? Or is he just like a police chief? I wasn't quite sure on that.
0: I think he's a sheriff. Okay, so
1: that's an elected position. And that's, you know, the people calling for you to represent them to... Even though I must say that I, I tend to think that sheriffs seem to be a little bit better than other cops, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't. It's maybe because I don't have to deal with sheriffs like I have to deal with other cops.
0: Yeah, when you hear about like sheriffs um, resisting uh, unjust laws, like gun confiscation laws or things like that, it's always sheriffs that you hear about yeah. who have the ability to actually resist some of those things on a local level. Exactly. I yeah, I don't know if town cops can necessarily necessarily do that, but
1: right. Right. Cause yeah, they're elected. They can't get fired or whatever. I don't know. I, maybe they're still not operating under, you know, an actual market condition, but
0: right. I mean, there is a, a, a slight check on them, right? Like if they step too far out of line, then they might not get reelected. So every two right. years, a little bit of a check. I mean, I'm sure there's some repercussions that they do something like totally, um, that they can't cover up with, you know, officer safety or feared for my life or that, um, you know, his wallet looked like a gun or whatever.
1: Yeah, all those fun things, all those fun reasons to kill people.
0: Yeah, but uh, you know the whole being elected thing. I think that maybe you're onto something in that you know how whenever there's an election, whoever wins says, "Oh, I, I won," and therefore it's a mandate by the people that they want me to do all the things I said I was gonna do. Yeah, and, and so they they take that and run with it, and usually don't do the things that they said they were gonna do. Almost because, never. <laughs> yeah, promises are essentially lies, but. You know, there's the occasional one that, that slips through. Yeah. But, uh, Robert, what did you think of uh, Rambo's, uh, Rocky's reaction to him? Like, why are you pushing me, man? Like, what what are you doing? Why, why are you pushing me? I, I need something to eat. Because he was telling him to walk another 30 miles to the next town to just be able to get something to eat.
1: Well, yeah. And I don't know if this is, you know, based on anything that actually happened. Or, but it seemed, it felt kind of believable. I mean, even though the King Dick cop was, he was taking it to a whole new level but i can imagine you know cops come up to people who look like you know kind of undesirables and saying hey move along we don't we don't like your kind around here move along buddy and i like rambo's position was like you know i'm just walking here what i'm not i'm not hurting anybody i just want something to eat i'm sure i'm sure the restaurant owner would sell me something cuz i have money to pay for it why did, why are you getting involved john q law you know I, and then yeah the whole time The cop is antagonizing him. He's pushing him. And Rambo, I haven't done anything to you. Why are you being like this? And he's just, you know, making a whole lot of assumptions about who Rambo is. Like he sees the um, American flag on his jacket and he's like, man, wearing an American flag around here, you're asking for trouble. And that was, I thought that was kind of weird and almost like it's come full circle today, right? Because you see an American flag and a lot of people have a negative reaction to it. And other people, you know, see it as more of a... I don't know. Some people see it as a symbol of liberty, as is, is, is kind of weird as that is. But then other see, people see it as a very oppressive symbol. Um, maybe this is a time in the world when, you know, the United States had totally destroyed any kind of like political credibility by having this horrific war in Vietnam. And so it was seen as a, you know, just a bad symbol. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh,
0: I I like that you brought up this topic. I think that you're misreading the situation in the movie.
1: Okay, good.
0: But it does, it does apply later though, in the uh, 2000s with- Oh, G. really? B., George W. Bush, because people were embarrassed to be American because of George W. Bush. You remember mm-hmm. that? Sure, pretend to be Canadian. Legs, right, yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a shame type thing um, for a lot of people traveling internationally because of, of uh, that president. I think today, it's more they can focus directly on Trump being bad and not so much America. You know, it's like there's so much division now between the left and right arm of socialism in the United States that they feel like Trump is no longer representing the, them as people, as the United States, whereas back when his GWB it was still more of the, well, he is the president, so he does represent us, and we are ashamed of that, so that's why mm. they wouldn't, you know, have the flag on them. But back in uh, Rambo times here, 1982, you've got Dennehy, who's wearing a flag as well. So what he's saying to John Rambo is, look in the way you do while wearing that flag is disrespectful to the flag.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't, if, if that's the actual case of how it is in the movie, I I apologize. That is, okay, that makes more sense now.
0: He's, he's like, you walking in this town, looking the way you do wearing that flag. You know, like, you're not representing the flag appropriately, because you look like a homeless, you know, like a hobo. You look like... Okay, this. well, that
1: kind of makes more sense why they would, like, shave him at some point, you know, in the... Because in the, that seems strange to me. It almost... The the shaving scene seemed weird where they're like, why do you give a shit if he's got a beard or not? Oh, they just clearly want to have him, you know, flash back to a torture scene in Vietnam. But okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think they were just trying to clean him up because I want to say there, there was still this air of um, respectable people look a certain way. And so they wanted to basically force him to be as respectable looking to their standards.
1: Let's talk a little bit about vagrancy. This is what um, Dennehy actually books him on because that's his initial excuse, right? To put hands on Rambo and then Rambo like shakes his hand off. Like, what the hell? And then he gets him for resisting arrest too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then he uh, pulls his gun on him.
1: I mean, what are, what is the actual vagrancy law? Is it like... You are an unwanted person on somebody else's property. It's essentially trespassing, yeah? But this is public land, so they come up with this term vagrancy. Is that how you understand it?
0: Uh yeah, I mean I, I I don't know if it's the same everywhere and if such laws exist everywhere. But yeah, it's basically like if you're somewhere where you're not wanted, it gives them a reason and excuse to mess with you. Now, that's how
1: I put it. I mean, that's how I thought of it as. It's like I don't I'm just going to do whatever I want to do to you. And then I'll think up some law that you broke after the fact.
0: Right now, now the the whole public property, which you know is a bit of a an oxymoron, really. Yeah, uh, that type of situation. I mean, if if we're in a fully private property society, then yeah, you could definitely not allow people on your property and have them move along. I mean, there would still be you know easements for travel and whatnot, but it would be the owners of that easement or whatever who would permit who can be on it and and who couldn't be. And so. It's kind of interesting to think about the implications of if we weren't in a statist society and this movie were made, you know? Sure. He'll be harassed, potentially, if he was unwanted there.
1: He definitely could be, but there's a far less likely chance that I think he would be because he wasn't actually hurting anybody. He was just moving along and he was actively seeking out a business at which to patronize. And that business owner has an incentive to have his money so he's going to be you know, on, on Team Rambo for the most part, unless, unless of course, he doesn't like the cut of his jib and the way he looks and whatever.
0: You mean his permed mullet? You know, don't knock the mullet when you have one
1: yourself, sir. How dare you?
0: Oh, uh, I got, I, I'm doing full man bun these days.
1: Okay. So that's you're doing the Steam cigar man bun?
0: <laughs> that's Is right. that what
1: we need to do next. Little, yeah, that's the next one. Under fire, under siege, whatever that was.
0: Yeah. Under siege, under siege two on a train. Yeah. A train. And then, uh, I don't know if he did a plain one. I think he did. Was he in like Executive Decision or something like that? I know Kurt Russell was.
1: You know, I'm not a huge follower of Steven Seagal's career, so I couldn't really tell you. I mean, he's amazing as he is. (laughs) All right. Anyway, let's talk about a little bit how indestructible Rambo is in this movie, because this is kind of the beginning of the 80s action hero, unstoppable hero dude. And I think it's a little bit toned down. He's kind of a normal guy, but he is seen as sort of a mythological, you know, when they hear that he's a green beret, they're like, oh shit. Well, some of them are like, oh shit. And the other ones are like, well, he's just still just one dude. But, you know, I guess that's, that's another thing about statism, you know, and patriotism and that you tend to think that your guys are the best and your elite are, you know, the super elite. Now I would argue that probably a green beret guy has an edge, Over the weekend warrior National Guard guys that are, you know, put down their cheeseburgers long enough to put on their helmets and climb into the forest. But the way that he's just taking them out one by one and, you know, he's he's struggling a little bit. But once they go into the forest, they're pretty much in his domain where he goes full on like Schwarzenegger and Predator. And he's got all the traps and he easily disarms them and he could kill them all if he wanted to, but he doesn't because he's really not out to just murder them all. But I thought, you know, this is, it, there are times in this movie where he should have died or, you know, seriously injured. Like when he jumps off that cliff and falls down that tree and he just kind of like picks himself off and he's like, oh, that hurt a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It's not as blatant as, as it gets in like Rambo two and three, like that gets pretty, uh, he's like the Jason Voorhees of action stars, like totally unstoppable.
1: Yeah. Like I, I think they, they lose a little bit of storytelling when your hero is completely unstoppable. Like there's one, you know, you can have the villain be this unstoppable force of nature and it kind of works in a Jason movie, but you know, you got to figure out how to kill him at the very end, finally. But when your hero is so unstoppable that he's just taking out like 50 guys at once and he's the, he's shooting from the hip with a machine gun and he has better aim than the guys he's shooting who are, you know, have an M16 up to their eyesight and all that. You know, it just, I don't, I think you lose a little bit in the tension department. Maybe you're just on there rooting to see how many, many bodies he can rack up. I don't know. Because they're all demonized, right? All his enemies are, they're all villains and they all deserve to die. So you just want to see him slaughter them all.
0: Well, and later in the franchise, but in the very first one, I think that there is that level of tension because he, he does seem to be at risk constantly. You know, he's about to get sniped off of that cliff. And so his, his best, his next best alternative was to jump down that tree. Um, and, right. You mentioned this already, but, you know, he he does the Schwarzenegger traps and basically incapacitates and injures all of those police coming after him, all the sheriff coming after him or deputies. But he chooses not to kill them. He chooses not to. Um, he, he's basically doing the Klaatu thing where he's demonstrating his power and his ability sort of as a warning to them, like, hey, back off or it's right. getting real ugly. Right. And unfortunately, Benaheys, uh, Will Teasel's pride was was getting fucked with here. And he's like, well, now I got to go after this guy. And he starts blaming uh, Rambo on the um, the guy, Guy's name was Galt, and he was the one back at the cop shop who was being real rough with Rocky, being like sadistic and beating him with his uh, with his nightstick, and then forcing him to be shaved, spraying with the fire hose, all that stuff. And he's mm-hmm. the guy trying to snipe him with the helicopter.
1: Right. Yeah, and that was one thing that I really enjoyed about this movie. Um, were the like the deputies and the weekend warrior guys who really were humanized. There was like scenes where, you know, you just saw him as regular dudes, like Joe Sixpacks. Like, hey, Joe, you got the bazooka? Are you going to go into the cave? He's like, no, man, I ain't going to the cave. I'm not going to get killed for this. This <laughs> is just like my weekend job, man. And then, you know, other times they're like uh, talking about how they like to go hunting or, you know, they just have the little dialogue. So they're not just like faceless guys for Rambo to kill.
0: Right. Yeah. And or, they even have their own their own scuffles among themselves, like uh, David Caruso, the redheaded guy. Who was later in some uh, cop TV show? Forget which one. That was him. Yeah, yeah. His that was Holy young
1: shit. Yeah, no, yep. he was a big star in like the nineties.
0: Yeah, was he in like um some uh, like
1: NYPD blue something like that? I know.
0: It was um, CSI Miami or something.
1: Okay, yeah,
0: yeah, big star, big star for a while, TV star. But yeah, that was him, and he had a little bit of a beef with uh, some of the other guys there, and and there was some tension between them on whether they should be going after Rambo. What did he actually do? I mean, the worst thing he did was stealing a, a motorcycle in his effort to escape from the police.
1: Right. And I Absolutely. like to think of that as, now as a, as a Rambo apologist in that scene, I like to think that had he been able to stop and explain the entire situation to the motorcycle guy, the motorcycle guy would at least have a chance to go, oh yeah, man, take my motorcycle, get out of here that's some bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it's how, um, when people talk about nap violations and how it's so unreasonable and how unworkable it is, it's like, would you trespass on somebody's property to save your, save your daughter's life? Because you know, it's an, it's an NAP violation, but if you could reasonably assume that the property owner would go, yeah, yeah, of course, come on my property. If you're going to save your freaking daughter's life, what what kind of monster wouldn't say yes to that? So yeah, I, I don't know if he would have said yes, go ahead and take my bike, but, I'd like to think that in that situation, if you know all things, he could be explained the whole situation. I would have been like, "Oh yeah, dude, go ahead." And then if I can hopefully get it back, I, you know, it was, it's insured, no problem, take it. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Although yes, it is clearly an NAP violation.
0: Yeah, he is clearly stealing it, but he's also under threat of his life, you know, for his life. And back to that uh, demonstration of his ability to kill them. I mean, he was in. I I view his. Um, he was in a self-defensive capacity like he could have done it now not that it would have been viewed that way by the media and by law enforcement and anyone else but i think from a you know a morality level yeah he was being unjustly persecuted and they were attempting to kill him so had he killed them uh, in response i think he would have been justified in doing so not that in a practical sense it would have been okay right i mean he wouldn't have walked away from it you know what i mean well he
1: i mean Are you saying that he thought he was being maybe killed because of his flashbacks and whatnot? Or are you saying that, hey, there's a really good chance that these cops might kill me right now? Because I'm not exactly sure that anytime you're arrested, you can just assume that cops are going to kill you. Like they are attacking you. And I think you have obviously have the right to defend yourself. But and of course, they will escalate it to the point at which they will kill you. Right. If you if you don't comply. If you don't comply, they'll choke you out until you're dead, or they'll put a gun in your back, or they'll shoot you as you're running away, or whatever, and claim that they were—you know—it's the only thing they could do. Um, but I don't know. And I mean, I'm, I'm fully on board with Rambo, like defending himself and breaking out of there. Fully on board. Um, I don't know if you could say that you know they were trying to kill him, and he could reasonably assume that they were trying to kill him, though.
0: Well, when they were doing the manhunt, though. Oh, for sure. And when I'm talking about
1: in the in the in the cop shop.
0: Right. And he didn't demonstrate, he did not try to kill them there. He was just trying to, to get away from them. Right. What I was talking about was when he sets the traps in the forest and he takes them down one by one, but non-lethally, mm-hmm. that's where he was, was in a position of self-defense because they were firing at him at that point.
1: Certainly. I, yeah, I, he, I, he showed remarkable restraint. I mean, that's like a clear example of his superior skills and abilities that he is so good that he can take these guys out without even weapons, right? And he just takes them out and makes traps. Then he can take their weapons, gets them to shoot each other at one point, you know? So, and yeah. I like, Do you, did you like, see, did you ever have one of those knives growing up? Because I did.
0: I know you did. I, I I remember it.
1: Yeah, it was a survival knife. And you had the, the compass that screwed onto the end and he used it at the movie. That was great. And then he also used the needle and thread that's inside to sew up his arm.
0: Yes. Yeah, and then
1: does- I assume he also used like the flint to start the fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, he gets hurt. He bleeds his own blood. <laughs>
1: we'll call yeah, that- man. I just I, I just loved that, that, those aspects. That I mean, I don't know if that was a marketing thing, but after this movie came out, it's like every kid needed to have one of these survival knives because you never knew, man, when shit was going to go down and you had to be stuck in the woods and you had to like stay alive.
0: Now, can you imagine that happening today though? Like... I just feel like the the social climate is so different these days that, I mean, you can't even let kids like walk around a neighborhood anymore, you know? So, Oh
1: no. Yeah. Giving, like, uh,
0: these big survival knives or even selling them to to kids, even, you know, 10 right. year old kids doesn't seem like it would be a thing that happens anymore.
1: Oh, I completely agree. Even though you could use it to cut small brush with the saw end, you could you know, slice things, meat that you hunt with. I mean, at one point, I think it's funny that the cops are like, what do you use this for? And he's like hunting they're just laughing at him. He's like, um, yeah, I can pretty much do pretty much anything with this knife.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Clearly man, you we, can't. When you watch Rambo four, he's only doing a knife, like for the most part. Well, and, and of course his signature bow and arrow. Um, until As I a
1: 60 year old man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Rambo five, he's like 71. It's gonna be great. It comes out in September.
1: This, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Hopefully he's handing the, the baton to a younger Rambo, maybe his son or something.
0: Yeah. Maybe. No? I mean, it's, time. I mean, he's 72 now, but, but they, they, uh, wrapped up the shooting, um, like six months ago or seven months ago. So.
1: Well, more power to the guy. I mean, he's doing great for a man of his age.
0: All right. So back to, to top Dick cop, um, Bill Teasel. Did you catch this line where he says, call up the mining camp or whatever, or the logging camp and tell them to get a helicopter down here? And if he gives you any shit about the helicopter, cite him for obstruction.
1: That was for a mining camp. I remember that line. I don't remember who he was directing that line to. I thought it w- I thought it might have been like some other cop organization or something. But if that's a private company, that's that's some fucking horrific shit right there. That is
0: yeah, like, I'm commandeering your vehicle, kind of a thing, you know, yeah, that's Especially like business.
1: It, you your property belongs to me. You better do what I say, or else I'm throwing you in a cage. <laughs> Yeah, it goes. Nobody's back. safe from this guy. This guy's a monster, and he lives through the whole damn movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing I noticed in this was uh, you get a lot of the um, precursors to some of the later movies that he makes. Like he's doing the rock climbing, so you see cliffhanger in there.
1: Oh, and right. Mhm. You
0: know, he's like getting in these uh, punch fights, so he's got more Rockies in there. Right. But uh, let's talk about the cop who was in the helicopter. The the deputy who was in the helicopter trying to shoot him. Like he was instructed to not shoot at Rambo. And he's ignoring that order.
1: Yeah, because he, what, he just wanted to kill him, right?
0: Yeah, I guess he was like really upset with him or embarrassed that he got beat up a little bit and in a way allowed him to escape or was not able to stop him from escaping. Yeah,
1: you know, you you get the kind of what, God complex where, you know, no one can, you know, you always have to be in control of the situation as a cop. You always have to be the top dog. You have to be the alpha. And if anybody ever, you know, shows you up, you gotta you gotta out alpha that dude somehow, whether that's killing him or whatever. I think that's that sort of behavior come come to fruition. So it wasn't super outrageous to me. Although it did seem a little bit strange. I mean, I didn't like the way they did the scene, like, oh, I can't hold the helicopter straight because there's an updraft here or something. It's like it didn't really look like much of an updraft, but okay.
0: Well, they were it's just fine. giving Rambo a chance to, you know, not get shot on the first shot. he got fired at like five or six times.
1: Yeah, and then he throws a rock and then knocks the thing, and then he falls off.
0: Yeah, and so then... Did, uh, did Rambo kill that guy? No, no, not at all.
1: Damn straight he didn't. He was fighting for his life. He was just so, completely self-defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he threw a rock at all because, like, what do you expect that to do? I mean, if anything, it had, like, the most dramatic effect possible in getting that guy to stop shooting at him. Um, and then Bill oh, yeah, basically blames Rambo and, and considers him a cop killer. And it's really weird because, like, they're all willing to kill Rambo, no problem. But as soon as one of their own eyes you know through his mostly his own uh mistakes right his own sure overzealousness uh they're all sad about it but meanwhile if they had shot rambo they would have been like yeah right on you know we got him
1: yeah because the rambo has been the bad guy and their buddy is the good guy and that they've already made up their minds long ago as soon as they saw the look of him you know he's a bad guy
0: yeah and he
1: dared fight back but going back to that rock throw how i mean if i had thrown that rock and it had the effect that it has in this movie my mouth would be on the floor. I'd just be like, no way that worked. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. that's the luckiest throw of all time. <laughs> I mean, right. he didn't even want to kill the guy and he felt bad about it. But if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, fuck that guy. He was trying to kill me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If, if anything, Rambo was showing remarkable restraint there, even then. Right. Yeah. And then uh, back to the comment you had mentioned earlier that they, they, they talked about him being a, a war hero, green beret. I, right. I felt like you were saying it in that they need to be wary around him because of his abilities. And while that's true, I don't think they believed that. I think they were saying it, oh, like, oh, crap, here we are hunting this guy, man, the most dangerous game, but he's a war hero. So if it comes out that he's a war hero, then we're going to get a bad PR as a result.
1: Hmm, I didn't quite read it that way. I mean, I thought some of them, especially the King Dick cop guy, he was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. So what? He's just some guy in Vietnam. Now he's in my town, and I'm the boss here. So he's going down.
0: Right, but, right. And he was ignoring uh, uh Richard Krenna. Is that his name? Um,
1: Sure, And <laughs> that's you know Troutman.
0: Troutman, who's like, no, I'm not trying to save him from you. I'm trying to save you guys from him.
1: Right, and that's yeah. I think mean, that's 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 selling up the Green Berets' abilities a little bit. But whatever. I mean, I'll go with it. He's like a Superman hero. That's fine.
0: Yeah, and then when the guy uh, did fall out of the helicopter, he ended up, Rambo got his gun. And they have a line where they're like, oh shit, he's got a gun. Meanwhile, they all have guns too.
1: (laughs) Right. Oh no, the the situation is slightly more fair. Oh no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, they were hunting him with dogs and he ended up killing the dogs, shooting the dogs. Off screen, off screen, screen. because you can't
1: kill a dog on screen. The audience would not forgive Rambo from killing a dog on screen, even though it was sent in to kill him.
0: Right. I, think, yeah. I think
1: that's what they believed back in the day. And I think it's still true to this day. People's audiences do not like seeing dogs get killed regardless of the situation.
0: Yeah. And the, and the owner guy was like, he had no right to shoot my babies. But my thought was, I mean, he actually did in that case, like they were going to like, tear him up. So, yeah.
1: So, yeah, he's got 100%. So you don't want your dogs to get hurt. Don't send them after Rambo. I don't know.
0: It's just an idea. Right. But, you know, it becomes a, a vendetta basically for, for the sheriff. Like he becomes um, so invested in this thing that he can't back down at that point, right? And
1: Troutman, you know, he wants the sheriff to defuse the situation. He's like, "Let it go, just stop this. We'll we'll pick him up later in Seattle. Uh, you know, a couple of days later with no fuss, no muss. He he he's got to eat to live. He's got to you know he'll he'll show up at some point. Why why force this conflict? But cops are the great escalators, you know, and they have to be the king dicks. You can't tell a king dick to stop, (laughs) he's not gonna, he's not even gonna understand that. It's like, what are you even talking about? I'm the boss around here. Why would I let this guy get away with it? If I I let, you know, it's just like, uh, what, Bugs Life? If we let this one guy get away with it, then soon enough, more people will think they can get away with it, and then we're screwed because we're outnumbered.
0: Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of the Larkin Rose video, The Tiny Dot, that uh, we've referenced a couple of times before. So I'll make sure to put that on our uh, little show notes page here. They can be found at lastnighters.com slash 73. Hey, um, did you
1: catch? Did you catch the uh, camera crew?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the baby. Them is their skilled training and police enforcement techniques that saved their lives. <laughs> that was hilarious.
1: Did you see the um the KVOS TV twelve?
0: I did. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Local, okay. Local station. And yeah, growing I,
1: up in the eighties, you could turn to channel twelve and it'd be KVOS TV twelve. I don't know if it's still the case. I doubt it. But I back in the day, it. that was it.
0: And the other thing about the reporters is uh. Somebody was talking about, you know, the only thing to come out of this is all the business at the local bar. <laughs> you know, the reporters are drinking the town dry.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Supporting local business, I guess.
1: See, Rambo's good for the economy. Yeah. Plus all those broken windows.
0: Oh, the, yeah. At the end. It's like, yeah.
1: Krugman's yeah. going to be super stoked.
0: Yeah, you want a war? I'll give you a war. I'll give you one you wouldn't believe. Let it go. Let it go. And in my head, I was I was singing that Frozen song, let it go, let it go. <laughs> yeah, like, why wouldn't you? Six and four-year-old girl. Oh, boy. Um. One of my favorite lines, and I actually use this in our little promo video, is when Rambo's talking to Troutman on the the police radio, and he's like, "They drew first blood, not me."
1: Yeah, that's how you get the line from the movie. The title of the movie. Uh, He recognizes that they were the aggressors. I mean, that's. uh, I think that's why the audience can easily get behind Rambo in this film as the hero.
0: So does that make this movie like super libertarian? I think the premise is is very libertarian. Yeah,
1: it's 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 you know it's somebody saying no to the bullshit. Like, you're going to arrest me for doing nothing wrong? Get fucked. And I actually have the ability and the skills to fight back. Like, the average human being is going to be like, what am I going to do? I got a wife. I got kids. I'm not going to just, like, pull some falling down shit and get myself killed. I'm going to go along with it and go to jail and whatever. But Rambo, no family, nobody. He's got nothing to lose. He's got these incredible skills, and they fuck with him. So, you know... It's time for you fuck with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> He's going to try and teach him a little lesson. Not that that's his goal. He's actually just reacting to what's happening in the situation, right? He's not a like a proactive protagonist. He's a reactive protagonist, but we still get behind him. He still makes interesting decisions and, you know, does a lot of active things. He's not just being reactive, but yeah, it's uh, I think it's a pretty libertarian film. I mean, he, I think it kind of falls down at the end when he just starts destroying property starts shooting up everything and blowing up gas stations and stuff like that. Diversion tactics. Yeah. He's do he's using diversion tactics. I mean, he's using guerrilla tactics. That's what they say. He's like a top, you know, one of the best of the best in the world guerrilla fighters, right? So he's using his skills and how he knows it to fight a larger force. And you know, he's just one dude. So of course everybody he's fighting is a larger force. But he's also destroying a lot of property of people who didn't do anything to him. So I can't I can't get on board with that.
0: Yeah, I wonder how how else the situation might have been resolved. Um because I mean he, they did basically smoke him out of the mountain there with the uh the weekend warriors firing off a, a bazooka into the mine. Right. Um and he had to get out of there because they were still, you know, they were digging out trying to find him and if they had found him they would have killed him.
1: Certainly. Yeah, I I mean I can't really imagine a scenario where he's just arrested. I think they would have yeah, you know, the cop would have been, you know, no. He's not we're not bringing him in. But I don't know. I, I don't know. That's not the yeah, way the movie played out.
0: I think he had a, a level of getting pissed. And that's why he went back down to, the, down to the town to bring the war to Teasel.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree. But like with my analogy with the motorcycle, I don't think, you know, if he fully explained the situation, he could go to the owner of the gas station and be like, okay, look, gotta blow I'm up really angry box. and and these guys, and I need to create a whole bunch of diversions. So I'm just going to blow up your property. And you're cool with that? I think he'd go, no, no, I wouldn't be cool with that. Because <laughs> yeah. really, his beef is with Dennehy, right? That's pretty much all he's going for. And he doesn't even end up killing him.
0: Yeah, Troutman talks him out of it. I think the intention there was that Troutman, if if Troutman hadn't been there, then then yes, Rambo would have killed Teasel.
1: Right, yeah, almost certainly. Now, I really, I don't know how you felt about the ending of this film, but I really liked it. Um, it really gets into the psychology of Rambo's experience. And that's what I was kind of talking about in the beginning of the episode. Because it's really kind of, you know, a regular guy who got, uh, I don't know if he was, you know, signed up for the military or was drafted. It's not explained. But a lot of people were drafted to fight in the, the Vietnam War. And I don't know if this is common knowledge or not, but it is admitted by the Navy, if not more. A lot of top secret documents have been released and uncovered about the Gulf of Tonkin event, the August 4th phantom attack by the Viet Cong um, on the Maddox in the Gulf of Tonkin It never happened, but it was used as an excuse to escalate the war, which got, you know, 50,000 US soldiers killed and countless men, women, and children of Vietnam killed. Because the United States, you know, they couldn't really fight a war with Russia, Soviet Union, because, you know, nuclear power. Couldn't really fight an overt war with China but they could fight a proxy war in another country where you know it's not you're not directly attacking those people so there's not a real threat of nuclear annihilation and at the same time you are you know fighting you know these bullshit terms like you know fighting communism of course communism is terrible but you don't get rid of communism by just killing people it's an idea <laughs> and as v tells us ideas are bulletproof you beat bad ideas with good ideas now so, yeah, you had this horrible proxy war, which Rambo is probably drafted into or whatever. He says it's not his war. It wasn't his war. You know, it was their war, but he was fighting it, and he wasn't even allowed to win it, which is, as I understand it, very true. Um, a lot of the soldiers in Vietnam and a lot of the higher ups were basically not allowed to end the war, not allowed to win the war. Um, a great companion piece to this movie would be the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary series. If you haven't seen that, it's I believe it's on Netflix. It's It's a long... You know, it's a long series, but it's, it's worth it. Um, it doesn't get into everything. Of course, can't, but you'll get a good flavor for what went on in that shit show. Um, and then when, you know, Rambo's talking about his friends getting blown up and killed and he's just so frustrated and sad and he talks about the treatment that he received when he came home. And, you know, I think every soldier, whether you're forced into it or you go into it willingly, you still want to be seen like as a hero when you come back home, right? Even if you go over and murder and you're an invader, is it logical as it is, you still want to be seen as a hero, at least to the people in your country, right? Cause there's still this lie that you're fighting for them and blah, blah, blah. And when that didn't happen, when he wasn't treated like, you know, the heroes of world war II, he was kind of spit on and called the baby killer and stuff like that. That can, you know, that can fuck you up. Maybe, it'll, maybe it's a dose of reality, but it can still fuck you up. And it, I I love the fact that Rambo was pretty much just a damaged psyche with an incredible skill set unleashed upon these fuckwits. (laughs) That's basically the movie. And I thought it was great. A lot of fun, but being on war was bullshit, man.
0: Yeah. That was a, that was a nice uh, little monologue, Robert. Thank you for that. I can rant sometimes. In my notes, uh, they called it jerkwater USA. When, um, Trapman was like, you're going to say this guy died for vagrancy in jerkwater USA. (laughs) Right. And uh, it was King Shit Sheriff. That's what he was referring to Teasel as on the on the radio with uh, with Krenna. But yeah, I, I I like what you're where you're going with this thing because I feel like Stallone was he was a, a one of the writers on this. Yeah, and he was trying to add more humanity to it and more emotion, some more of this you know trauma that Rambo had gone through. I mean, the the trigger to this whole thing is the flashbacks to his torture. Um, right, and then I think in the book. And in the original script, he actually does kill some of the police officers, the, the sheriff and the deputies. Oh, uh, so they
1: toned it down for the movie.
0: Right. Because Stallone wanted to make the character more sympathetic. And so he wanted to make a point of not killing anyone.
1: Hmm. Even though movie. he would have been justified.
0: Right. But, you know, justified, but not in the eyes of the media and and how it would have been spun and all that stuff, like we talked about earlier. Right. Um and and oddly enough, when I was looking at uh, some of the some of the background information on this, apparently the original cut of this movie was over three hours long and a total wow. Uh it was so bad that Stallone was like, I don't even know if I want to release it because this might be a career killer. But oh, uh geez. I, this is one they saved in the edit, much like um Star Wars uh, episode four.
1: Yeah, yeah, another movie, definitely that was saved in the edit. Um I that's interesting. I did not, I've never known that about Rambo. But yeah, I can imagine some three-hour meandering monstrosity, whereas this is a very Tight, tightly edited piece that doesn't really feel like it overstays its welcome. You know, every pretty much every scene happens for a reason, it tells the story. So, yeah, kudos.
0: Yeah. Now, in my my estimation, it was a long ninety minutes.
1: Oh, really? Uh, you didn't? You thought it dragged?
0: Uh, just a little, and I'm not even sure why, because you know, it was only ninety minutes. Maybe it's because when I watch movies with my wife, it's like we got to pause it every ten minutes because like the kids mm. need something or she needs to go to the bathroom or the dog needs something. I don't know, but it's just right. <laughs> it takes us extra time to watch things these days. but Sure. Uh, I, I I think that this was a really good movie and, and we could probably start getting into the, some final summaries and reviews unless you got a few more notes before we do that. Oh,
1: yeah, just the last thing I could just launch and I'll just say this and then go into my review. Um, You know, this this movie really kind of shows, even though it's, of course, it's a, like a dumb action movie, it's a little bit more of a brain than your regular, like, later on movies. And it's funny, we haven't even talked about Rambo 2 or 3 or anything like that but because there's so much to say about this movie. But, um. The human toll that happens when you rip a person out of their otherwise normal life and you tell them to go kill some guy in some other country, you know, you're, you're now suddenly sudden you're some invader and you're told you have to fight and kill and governments continually do this. No, you know, they're not always drafting, but they're constantly offering incentives and like these rewards, like, you know, join the GI bill and you can be a superhero. Do you have what it takes do this awesome like action hero stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's it's pretty sick, but, and they don't show, you know, all the suicides that happen. I don't know if it's like 32 a day or 23 a day. I forget the numbers of uh, people that come home and they've done some fucked up shit and they've seen some fucked up shit and they can't deal with it. And it's, it's, it's a very real thing that's happening every day today. You know, two, uh, two dozen more soldiers kill themselves because they couldn't handle what they've done. And that is does not make the uh, you know the recruitment commercials. That's not in the recruitment pitch. It's there's a sick psychological human toll that when you you know if you force somebody to go and kill somebody who has done nothing to them, they've got really no reason other than some bullshit propaganda to do it. And this movie does you know shows some of that. So kudos to this movie. Um, kudos to Sylvester Stallone and all the makers. And I can see why this movie went on to you know spawn a franchise. Um, I don't know if the successive movies were of equal quality. I don't think so. I don't remember them being super great. More just like cashing in on some action where, you know, Rambo racks up a body count. But that doesn't detract from this film. So uh, I had a lot of fun. Maybe it drags just a little bit, like Daniel says, um, just because it is a little bit more psychological, a little less action-y, or maybe you just don't, maybe it's a little same-y. I'm not exactly sure why, but... I think it moves fairly brisk enough for me um, I don't agree with you know Rambo taking the war back to them you know strictly NAP wise I think you could have just you know buggered off but of course you gotta tell a story so I'm gonna give this like a eight point four I think it's highly recommended I think everybody should check it out um, there's plenty of movies that show like the ugly side of war I'm thinking of like full metal jacket um, probably a whole bunch of other ones but um, the, the idea that you know people can go and do these horrific things and then come back and live normal lives is just not the case. We're not meant, we're not built to murder and butcher people that aren't you know threatening ourselves and our families. That's just, we're not meant to just go be psychopathic murder killer people, hunter-destroyer automatons. We're human beings with thoughts and feelings about love and happiness and peace and joy. I mean, yeah, we have aggressive sides too, but that's that serves a purpose to defend what we care about, not to go murder what the other guy cares about. <laughs> so anytime a movie can do this uh, is aces in my book. So 8.4, Daniel, it's all on you, buddy.
0: All right, well, that was a, another nice monologue. So thank you for carrying the load tonight, Robert. Um, I found that this movie is an excellent movie. I like the kind of psychological thriller Aspect to it. And yes, it did feel a little bit long. And yes, it did spawn a bunch of action hero nonsense uh, later on in Rambos 2, 3, 4, and soon to be 5. But I think that those have a different spirit to them. Those are the invincible Terminator style superhero. Whereas this one is more kind of a normal guy who's damaged, who's unjustly persecuted, and gets into a situation where he needs to defend himself. And he's very effective at doing so, and so I I think that that is a um, that's a that's a nice underdog story in a way. It's like it's like Rocky, but in the mountains, <laughs> and and with uh, traps and uh, defending yourself. So I I really enjoyed this one. I'm going to go with an 8.5. I'm going to one up you just a little bit. I do you think- son of a bitch. I know, right? <laughs> I, that's, I got to go second. So there you go. But uh, yeah, they, they don't get any better. I mean, they get, uh, it depends on what your appetite is. Like Rambo 2, first, or is it uh, First Blood Part 2? Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah. Um, and Rambo 3, they're still, you know, feel-goody, but in the more like, yeah, you know, like action, kick kick their ass kind of thing. And they do really demonize the adversaries in those ones. Um, and it becomes more, you know, to do with the Russians. And, and oddly enough, um, I guess when uh, Rambo 3 came out, the Russians were, of course, the bad guys in Afghanistan, fighting the Mujahideen. Not sure if I'm saying that right, but they make all these um, points about how the Afghanis are not willing to, to they, they've never been defeated and never will be. They'll fight to the death. Um, they view themselves as already have, having died, and so they'll defend themselves no matter what, and how the Russians were in their own Vietnam. And then, you know, fast forward another 15 or 20 years, that's what the United States ended up getting mired in as well. And, uh, and I guess the other thing about um, when Rambo 3 came out was that that's when Gorbachev had just announced the Glasnost policy, the more openness and transparency with the world and, and opening up trade. And then the Soviet Union collapsed a few years later. So it was a little bit of a mistimed thing as far as making them the most evil um, <laughs> adversaries in the movie, because in the real world, it was like changing a little bit at that point. Now, of course, today, Russia, Russia, Russia is apparently really, like really bad again. But anyway, I don't know where that little rant came from, but uh, I did an 8.5. That's my rating and review.
1: Fantastic. Well, I don't know. I hope this satisfied everybody's Memorial Day appetites. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're obviously not like fully on board with the war machine. But you might, you know, appreciate the idea, at least the concept of defending something. But, of course, you got to recognize that going over and invading some foreign country is not defending anything other than maybe Halliburton's oil interests or whatever.
0: Yeah, Robert, how'd my freedom get way over there?
1: How did it get over there? Did you lose it?
0: Like, yeah. Oh, um,
1: well, clearly. <laughs> yeah, we all have, right? <laughs>
0: but I lost it here.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no.
0: But anyway, uh, I think someone's got a birthday coming up. What? And we, for someone's birthday, getting
1: older? Uh-oh. Yeah,
0: someone's going to become an indeterminate age. We're going to have yes. to go like, do a fossil record analysis on That's you. That's the
1: only thing that could possibly find out how old I am.
0: Yeah, carbon date you. Uh, but... To that end, one gift I will offer you is you get to make the next selection on the prize oh, yeah. for next week's episode. And I think I think we're going to go boldly where no one has gone before at least on this on this show.
1: Right. Do, yeah, on this know. podcast. Have we've we've have we done a Star Trek movie? I think we, we have, did. haven't we?
0: Yeah, we did Star Trek Beyond.
1: Okay, but we haven't done Star Trek any TV episodes. And I forget what I was doing or no what we were doing is as we were doing um the day the earth stood still and as I was mulling over my mind all the things I forgot to say and just kicking myself for all these great points that I was coming up with, I was reminded of this episode called Justice of Star Trek The Next Generation, I think it's season one, episode seven and it's where young Wesley Crusher gets in some hot water for basically doing nothing and it's going to have a lot of philosophy. You know, Star Trek is really heavy on the philosophy and there's a lot of like NAP type style stuff and like respecting other people's laws and cultures and stuff like that. And then it's going to be a two-part episode because, well, I don't know, maybe we'll talk so long about that one. There might be a single episode. But I also want to do um, the other episode that I want to do. I think it's the the making of a man or the the me what was it? The means of a man? The measure of a man. Measure of a man, thank you. It's where um, there's this scientist who wants to take apart data so we can learn about data, you know, and make more data for the greater good, right? Because you could just have thousands of datas all doing all the difficult jobs and the dangerous jobs and, you know, just dominate, right? But there's a chance that it could kill him. And he sees data as this robot, right? Just like some, like a toaster oven or something. And everybody else is like, um, no, he's totally sentient. And he's, you know, a dude and we hang out together and, you know, he's like my friend and stuff. And so there's a real fun conflict and they, you know, try and figure out, they have this, they end up having this little trial about, you know, what is, you know, what is sentience and how can you prove it? And, you know, artificial intelligence and all this, all this fun stuff that we can get into. And, you know, is he, is he killing a person or is he, you know, just breaking somebody's property when he wants to uh, take data apart? So there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm really stoked for it. Hopefully come back and join us. It should be a lot of fun. Even if you're not a uh, Star Trek fan, if you haven't seen those episodes in like a million years, there's going to be a lot of interesting philosophical points to get raised. So I think it's like right up our alley on this show.
0: Yeah, I hope we've got enough time. That sounds like a lot of stuff to, to go over. And uh, that yeah. episode, The Measure of a Man, is season two, episode nine. I've written that down. Uh, this is available on Netflix. So if you've got Netflix, you can watch Star Trek The Next Generation. So that's uh, season one, episode seven, justice and season two, episode nine, the measure of a man. Those are going to be the two that we talk about next week on the last nighters. So yeah, baby. And uh, episode 73 show notes and more last slash 73. If you like what we do here, uh, please do share, like subscribe and all that stuff. So that you get more eyeballs and earballs balls uh, on this uh, content here. And uh, the biggest thing would probably be reviews on the old iTunes. So um, we'll have a link to that on the show notes page. Uh, Just click through that and, you know, put the uh, star rating up to five and write something along the lines of these guys are amazing. This is the best show ever. You should definitely listen to it. Uh, End quote or something. You know, I'm not I'm not putting words in your mouth or anything here. Or am I?
1: Or is he subliminal messaging, subliminal messaging. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been my esteemed pleasure, our esteemed pleasure to provide this content for you today. If you do enjoy it, please like and subscribe. Do we put these on YouTube? That makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, what what Daniel said.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do that stuff that I said. All right. Well, thank you guys. uh, And we will say good night from last night. All right. We'll continue a little bit longer on the actual anarchy version of the show. This is the people have been with us the longest, and uh, we, we feel like we owe you a little bit extra. So this is this is for you. This, that's my dedication.
1: Uh, you're our number ones, babies.
0: So, Robert, it sounded like at the end there, you were somewhat sympathetic to the plight of the soldier who is sent off to go do something bad. And I mean, granted, you're born into this propaganda, and you're indoctrinated in government schools. And so it's hard to blame somebody for believing the lies, right?
1: There's a certain amount of sympathy. I can't ultimately defend them morally, but I can still sympathize with their plight. You know, I mean, I can't say I can't sit there and defend them as they go and murder somebody in, I you know, on their foreign property. You know, but I can sympathize with them in that. Yeah, what you just said. The the propaganda. The 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 thought of you know, it used to be in human history, this very noble. And it still is, I guess, to some extent, this like noble adventure that war is. And then how it's like a giant game and it's just this thing that young men do and, you know, how much glory and honor you get as a result of that. And it was really only through television in the Vietnam War, which exposed that for a whole bunch of bullshit. I mean, also in World War One, don't get me wrong, um, with the horrible trench warfare and just the meat grinder that those guys were put into. Um, but, you know, it used to really be seen as this kind of cavalier adventure and Now you're seeing it for the horror of modern warfare, at least. I mean, it's still, of course, all war is horrible. But, you know, human beings have gotten a lot better at it as the weapons have gotten more and more deadly as time has gone on. And that was all shown on TV. And the public reacted to that with horror. And they're like, who are these people? These are our sons and daughters and neighbors that are doing these things. You know, and it's, it's a different, it's a different, all of a sudden, a mental shift, right? Instead of thinking of, you know, the greatest generation as like a bunch of war heroes, you're seeing these people as baby murderers, yeah, and you know, probably the- rightfully so, but it's a huge shift in the psyche, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually just sparked an idea in that, you know, prior wars, they were documented in, in a way, but more in a heroic way, like building it up as this great thing, you know, like the right. World war II footage. I mean, people still watch that stuff and like there's World War II buffs and all that stuff. Um, but the Vietnam one was, yeah, a lot more graphic. You know, the, there were embedded reporters and there were pictures and imagery and, and video taken of just horrible, horrible things. And they learned from that. You remember the Gulf War in '91, it looked like a video game. And then in the uh second Iraq war, there were embedded reporters, but it's very staged. You know, there wasn't a whole lot that was like really broadcast that was too racy or too um you know, too much of like showing you the carnage, right? I remember that there was this uh photo that was taken of caskets draped in the American flag that got leaked, right? It wasn't supposed to be shown, it wasn't supposed to be taken or whatever, and it became this huge thing, right? And right, I think it was because there was this vacuum of not much real content coming out, and so that one really stood out. Now, of course, mm-hmm. it Lended itself to like an increase in patriotism and things like that, which is sort of an unfortunate side effect. But um, I think they have learned uh, in you know how to manipulate in the media and what what gets shown. I mean, what do we know about what we've seen or what's been happening in Syria and now the saber rattling in Iran and all these things? Like, we're not really shown much of anything that um, is going to be super objectionable, right, to the average person. And in fact, both the left and the right are now seemingly very supportive of war and war, uh, war of things ever since Obama came into power.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, it has been a lessening in the style of the war reporting. Like, yeah, it's like in world war in Vietnam, they embedded it and they didn't seem to, I mean, maybe they censored some things, but they surely didn't seem to censor a whole lot of stuff because they're showing, you know, battles and kids getting blown up and set on fire and people getting murdered and body bags and stuff like that. And, really harrowing stuff. It was almost like reporters were actually trying to report like dramatic stories. And then you, 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 like you did, you contrast that with like the Iraq War of 2002. It's, well, that's still going on. I mean, it's not just the 2002, but you know what I mean? Um, and it's, yeah, it's some embedded quotes, air quotes, reporter with a flak jacket and a helmet on and he's being flown around in a helicopter and they're, you know, only allowed to show, you know, so much footage or, you know, you can, we can, we're only going to take you to these certain areas. We're going to shield you. Or, you know, at least that's what we saw. Who knows if all the footage was reviewed by the Pentagon or whatever. Um, but it's certainly the state media is was fully on board with supporting the war. I mean, you get that with today, right? With um, Trump, what was he like, dropping the Moab bomb, mother of all bombs, and like he was bombing some other countries. And you had like the state media hacks going, look how beautiful this is. Look how presidential Trump is being. How wonderful this is. This is we're totally on board with you slaughtering people. But we don't like it when you say mean words. But you know, when you're murdering innocents, it's like, yeah, because we're totally bought and paid for by the military industrial complex. Yeah. yeah. They've learned their lesson and they know how to push buttons and propagandize in the right way or just not talk about it, right? Like it's not even a story anymore. The fact that we've been in Afghanistan for the longest war in American history, well, the longest official war. Well, even though it's not never de- declared, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a kinetic action or something. Like, I thought that there hasn't been literally a war since World War II, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the, what the Congress
0: like declared, declared
1: officially declared a war, as I understand it. I could be wrong, but
0: yeah, yeah, we you often know, are but anyway, Well, because
1: officially war. declared wars have to end, right? But you know, military actions they can just
0: go on forever. Well, the war is meant to be forever, right? Isn't that uh, from nineteen
1: eighty four? Well, it's the war
0: state. All right. Well, I think war is I, the
1: war is the health of the state, right? What was that? What's that Randolph
0: quote? Warren, Randolph Bourne said that. Yeah, war is the health. Of the yeah, state. gives it a, a reason for you know justifying itself. Right. So, happy Memorial Day, everyone.
1: <laughs> happy Memorial Day. Remember all those people that were chewed up in the meat grinder and murdered by the state and lied and propagandized to because it is a sad story. It is absolutely a tragedy. But I don't think that you can really say that you know they died for anybody's freedom. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and with that, we will get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive available for our Patreon supporters. Check it out at actualanarchy.com slash Patreon. This has been episode 130. Is that right? 130? Are we, are we? You there? know better than I. Yes, episode 130. So actualanarchy.com slash 130 for show notes and more, and we're going to do some bonus content uh, right after this. Thanks for joining us, and have a good night, everyone. Peace.